0: Up everybody! Welcome to the pit. Welcome to the Brady Quinn Football Show.
1: Yeah! With Will Brinson. Will Brinson,
0: that's me. I'm Will Brinson. That's Brady Quinn. This is the Brady Quinn Football Show. It's the Pick Six Podcast. It's the Tuesday edition. We have lots of energy, uh, even though it's late. Even though we mostly watched a crappy football game with the Eagles snuffing out the Redskins' hope. Um, Brady, I just want to be the first one to admit on here that um, I encourage all of our listeners to bet the Redskins to win the NFC East and to take the, <laughs> to take the Redskins when, over for when the was se- this? Before, was before this? the season, before the season. Oh, geez. It looked pretty good. They were in first place no, two weeks no, ago. It
1: didn't. No, it didn't. Uh, I think anyone who was a betting man would have uh, picked any of the other three teams besides well, the Washington Redskins.
0: Well, okay. So I said to take the Redskins over on their win total at seven. That still looked pretty good two weeks ago, um, even when Alex Smith broke his leg. Then Colt McCoy <laughs> broke his leg on Monday night. Now Mark Sanchez is holding the fate of my ticket. I won't be able to mail it in unless he wins at least one game. Then I can get refunded. Then I can double up if he wins two. Um,
1: and Quick and, question on Mark Sanchez, by the way. Did, did, I, did I see this right? Did he actually recover a fumble with his butt? He did. Is it, is it possible that he's got a butt fumble and then a fumble recovery with his butt? What if he has a fetish with footballs in his butt? Well, it would be too far removed from his former head coach who had fetishes with his uh, feet, so.
0: I said on Twitter to Nick Costas that if Mark Sanchez leads the Redskins to uh, a division title, I will get a temporary tattoo of Mark Sanchez's face on my on my butt. <laughs> And I, I mean, like, I'm not going to get a real tattoo. It
1: has to be a temporary tattoo of his face on your butt with uh, a butt fumble. Yeah, yeah. I
0: will. Yeah, if okay. if I will, I will, say this right now on this podcast. If if Mark Sanchez leads the Redskins to a an NFC East title, I will get a a temporary tattoo. I'm not getting a real tattoo, people. I will give a temporary tattoo of Mark Sanchez recovering a fumble with his butt on my butt.
1: Dude, by the way, Mark Sanchez is one of the nicest dudes ever. I it, bet he I'll, is. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I joined the Jets for half a season when he was deciding whether or not he was going to go on IR. Um, he was a really, really good dude to be around, really fun to be around. One of, one of the actually funnier people I've ever heard. <laughs> actually just kind of sat and, while he was kind of watching practice, kind of sit back, talk to him about the offense, and he'd joke about God knows what um but but funny guy uh, good guy so I, I, I I'm rooting for him I'll say that much I am rooting for him
0: I, I I am too I hope I have to put this tattoo on my butt I mean I'll happily pay for, i like <laughs> i hope i hope I end up with this tattoo of him on the on my butt and you can, you are, you, can are you gonna document this absolutely I will tweet it i will you have
1: it. to put it somehow I mean, on not, social media or on the piix podcast
0: hundred percent yes I will absolutely tweet okay. on a picture of my furry butt with a picture Your of Your buttock, I think yeah, it's my but, butt. Right, yeah, my right, right, right. Um, so, uh, th- but look, it's not going to happen. The, the Redskins are basically dead. They're at six and six. Um, the, of course, the, the Eagles now at six and six are just one game back at the seven and five Cowboys. They'll play next week with a sort of, not really a division title game because. Quasi. The, yeah, but, but th- when you look at the schedule, the Eagles still have to go, um, to, they have to go to the Rams. They have to play Houston. Then they're at Washington. And whereas the uh, the Cowboys um, get the the Colts on the road, Tampa Bay, and then the Giants on the road. So if the Eagles win, then lose to the Rams, which is probably the most likely situation, or at least you know if they win, that's the likely situation. Uh, they would need a, a, a loss by the Cowboys. But Eagles, Eagle Eagles playoff hopes are very much alive. Carson Wentz looked good. Fletcher Cox coming on strong. Golden Tate got involved. Your your boy, your former Notre Dame. Were you, were you guys teammates?
1: No, 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 exactly no. He's, me, he's way younger. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. Okay, who was your who, oh, Braylon, Braylon Edwards?
1: No, but he was a Michigan. Oh, he's a Michigan guy. Player, what am I talking it's about? Just, just Samarja, Samarja Stovall, of course, and Raymond McKnight. Yeah. Sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. Your your superstar wide receiver went and played baseball, played baseball. Yeah. Still playing yeah. baseball, by the way. Still. Still, yeah. He
1: throws heat, brother.
0: Yeah. Heat. Was he? Um, He had a mustache in college, didn't he? Long hair and a mustache?
1: Uh, I had long hair. I don't know that he had a mustache. If he did, it was more of an intermittent mustache, like maybe (laughs) during the month of uh, November, or if it was just cold outside and he had other facial hair. I'm not really sure. I can't recall. He's a cool dude, right? He's a great guy. He's one of the all-time best. We used to call him the iron lung because he was the only guy who could go out all night until about 4 a.m., wake up an hour later go into our early morning 6am workouts and then run laps around everyone. He was an absolute machine. He would party till 4am and then just go work out at 5. He was a rare breed. That he, is... he could he was I mean he was a work hard play hard guy and he was a ton of fun to be around.
0: Yeah, he seems like a turbo bro, like, I mean, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Like, I, He
1: was, like, wiry strong, too. Like, he's not very big, but he's Serbian, and he's got these, like, broad shoulders. And I just remember he would wrestle, like, some of our D linemen and kind of hold his own for being, like, a solid 70 pounds, 80 pounds lighter than them.
0: Uh, would you like to, while we're, while we're running through your life history, would you like to brag? Would you like, would you like to wish your, your wife a happy birthday? Yeah. And Why brag- don't
1: I? Why don't I? So my wife uh, is celebrating tonight. Uh, the first anniversary of her 30th birthday. So pretty, pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty fun. So she's excited about it. She, um, she your wife, your wife,
0: your wife, of course, a former Olympic gymnast.
1: Yes. 2008 uh, Olympics in Beijing. Yeah. Uh, one of the most decorated, uh, Olympic athletes, uh, national team athletes for gymnastics in United States history. So whose, whose, um, whose
0: child do you think whose, whose child is more likely to become a professional athlete, mine or yours? I would say ours by a
1: slight margin, just just slightly. Uh, because you look, you're low to the ground. You've got decent <laughs> feet, uh, even though you do get a lot of mannies and petties. Uh, they're soft feet, not not very calloused hands. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, decent hand-eye coordination, a quick wit. Uh, your, your kids can hold their own.
0: Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, but anyway, so what'd you guys do for uh, for her birthday?
1: Went out to dinner for it. Uh, her parents are in town, Her aunt, and uncle are in town as well. So we went out to birthday. Uh, had had ourselves a nice little dinner at a place called Barton G Barton G is known for the these very elaborate plates and like settings that they come out with so for example I happened to get a steak and on my steak I literally had a four foot fork what? on on my plate what with my steak on it yeah it's like these ridiculous things you've never seen before in your life did for you, example did
0: you use the fork to eat the steak or
1: no, no, it's like purely there for decoration for people. It's actually this place actually kind of before I don't want to say before social media really got big, but uh, probably what four years ago or so, maybe maybe it's longer, maybe it's five years ago. Anyway, it, it existed, and it's like one of those places where like they've basically adopted the fact that everyone's gonna hang out at dinner with their phones out and take pictures. Hmm. So why not just make all your food so cool to look at? Like for example. One of the desserts we had, with a huge, this huge hundred dollar bill, like a probably four foot, uh, big hundred dollar bill, and it actually had this like gold bar, looked like gold yeah. bouillon, and you would literally they 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 dump some sort of um, liqueur on it and they light it on fire and it, and, and it tastes like a s'more. Well, it, it's like stuff like that. It's like unlike anything you've ever seen. We got a funnel cake for the other dessert. And it had a little like duck hunt thing where you could like shoot it with a little toy gun and you could shoot the ducks as they go by. It's it's like the most ridiculous place you've ever been, but it's very very cool to go to.
0: I'm looking at their Instagram right now, and this is absolute absurdity. Oh, I see the hundred dollar yeah. bill here. Oh yeah. my god, it's a huge like. They call size... the dessert
1: dollar dollar bills, y'all. So there you go. <laughs>
0: this food looks pretty fantastic. This. So oh, I gotta see so your. I see the four foot fork. Yeah, they have yeah. uh that was on my plate. Yeah, this, uh, this person that is holding the fork in this Instagram picture is better looking than you, but that's fine.
1: Um, that's a lot of good looking people there.
0: Let yeah, me tell you. I bet. I bet. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. God, talk about a hit place. All right. Well, so, uh, people in Miami, check out Barton G. Maybe they can be a podcast sponsor. Let's talk some more football. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna go to, uh, we're gonna go to the Packers because the Packers fired Mike McCarthy. You and I actually talked about this happened on Sunday night. We're recording this on Monday night. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on Monday morning. Who do you think? Would be the best choice to replace Mike McCarthy in Green Bay.
1: That's such a tough question. Um, for starters, you know what? You guys think it's nuts when I say this. Sean McVay would be a great pick. <laughs> and, and like people will laugh at me when I say that, but for starters, okay, sh- Sean is- Sean,
0: Sean, Sean, Sean McDermott, I mean Sean, McDermott, um, Sean uh, Wagner mentioned this on the pod. He's like, I think Sean McVay should be the guy. We're like, why would he leave L.A.? Would he, he wouldn't I leave. know.
1: And everyone says, why would he leave? The weird thing was, is uh, I, I can't say who I was talking to about this, <laughs> but uh, someone who may or may not, um, you know, be able to create these sorts of odds for these sorts of things mm. uh, had had done this for the Browns when the Browns decided to fire Hugh Jackson they had created odds for Sean McVay in Cleveland. And I I reached out to this person. I said, why would you create odds for Sean McVay? Why would he ever leave L.A.? He said, well, for starters, someone would be willing to bet that. So uh, that's one of the reasons. We'll gladly accept someone's money and keep it. And then the other reason is he said, you know, maybe there's some words that he's not quite as happy as he could be. So uh, that was kind of interesting to hear that, right? Especially considering their success and everything else that's going on there. You know, but but to know Sean McVeigh and, and I've had a, not, a number of opportunities to do their games, so I've got the chance to sit down and speak with him in production meetings. And one of the things I kind of walk away uh, or take away from our meetings is he's a different thinker. You know, he's an old school football guy. He's an old soul, even though he doesn't, you know, necessarily seem like it because he's the youngest head coach in the NFL. Right. But he really does value history. He really does value the, the historic franchises like the Green Bay Packers, and I think most head coaches, whether they want to admit it publicly or not, would trade the chance to play with Aaron Rodgers, try to win a Super Bowl right now, than to build something with what they have. Mm. Because not only won, he had the chance to win right now, and you'd be a legitimate contender. And, and look, the Rams are. You, you've got maybe the best player in the NFL in Aaron Donald, the way he's playing this year. But, you know, Jared Goff, he's a, he's a good player. He's playing great this year. We'll see how that continues um, I just I think for starters, if you're the Packers, why not take a chance? You you shoot for the stars, right? Um, so that's their side of things. And for the Rams, like, like who knows? Maybe satisfied, maybe it's not. Now he's under contract, so they'd have to work out a trade. Um, but you know, maybe there's some sort of way of finagling it working out. Wow. The two other guys I would throw into the consideration that I think would make a lot of sense: Josh McDaniels, sure. uh, OC, obviously at the New England Patriots. People will say, well, what about the Colts last year? Well, you know, it's not our fault. The Colts decided to announce that he was signed before the ink was dry on the paper, which it never really got to that point. So uh, I don't blame him so much as that, even though he did talk to some coaches about, you know, taking jobs there and they had signed on uh, and then he decided not to. That looked kind of shady, but it looks like things are working out all right for them now. So, in uh, and, and, and any event. He's got the track record of success. He's worked with Tom Brady, who Aaron Rodgers have been very complimentary of, and he's a creative, innovative offensive mind. So I think that would be a great fit for what they're maybe looking for that was different from Mike McCarthy, at least from an offensive coach. And then Vic Fangio. Why not try to steal the best defensive guy in your league that would be able to interview for the job and potentially come in there and be the other side of the ball and take care of that So Aaron Rodgers going into his twilight doesn't have to score 30, 40 points a game in order to win in order to go on to a Super Bowl. Those are at least three of the names that I would think about. There's a ton more to throw into consideration. I would just say this for the Pete Carmichael's, for the Zach Taylor's, et cetera, et cetera, as you go on down the line, how many of them have the track record that are going to be able to challenge Aaron Rodgers and, and be able to say the critical things that might need to be said in order to, push him and get him to play at his best, because he hasn't played at his best this year. No. Statistically, yeah, it looks all right. Completion percentage isn't there. Um, but, what, 21 touchdowns, the one interception, or whatever it is, it's, it's been pretty, pretty ridiculous in that sense. Um, but they need someone to get in there and try to get him to play at his best, I think, in order for this roster and this team to have a chance of winning a Super Bowl.
0: Interesting list. Um, obviously, and I had McDaniel's on my as the number one guy on the list that I put together. Immediately afterwards, I don't think the Indianapolis thing matters. I, I, this is a guy that is one of the bright young minds in, in coaching. Um, there is some, some stuff out there. And I don't know what, what you would know about this, but I think Charles Robinson of Yahoo reported that Cliff Kingsbury would be a potential name to bring in under Josh McDaniels as his OC. I would have to think that would be enticing for, um, the, the Packers just because of all the things that have gone on, um, in terms of interest in Kingsbury with the NFL and, and college. And then, you know, look, McDaniels, uh, the the Colts defense, by the way, playing really well this year. Matt Eberflus was the guy that McDaniels had picked out to be his defensive coordinator, and Frank Reich ended up keeping him on. So it, it it seems that McDaniels can assemble a staff, and you're talking about a guy that now doesn't have to worry about doing personnel stuff. He will answer directly to Mark Murphy, and Brian Gutekunst, the GM, will also answer directly to Mark Murphy. I, I did think I don't know if you saw the probably not you probably I don't know if you saw the the press conference with the Packers, but it was interesting. Yeah. Mark Murphy said that he will make the call on the guy, and then uh, GM the GM will have some say in it. They'll, they'll, they'll work collaboratively. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about that structure in an organization like the Packers?
1: Well, for starters, the the way Mike McCarthy was fired to me was a bit shockingly because this is a team that is structured differently than the other 31 teams. You know, Typically they move slower because they're publicly owned, they have a board, and they tend to be more cautious with the decisions that they make. There's not so many knee-jerk reactions, so – The fact that they decided to move on from Mike McCarthy after this game tells you one of two things. Either, one, they've been thinking about this for a while, or two, they were just so disappointed with the result, considering how bad Arizona's been this year, and the fact that they lost at home, they didn't seem to have much energy or any enthusiasm, and they didn't want this to continue on. And they thought it'd be best for both parties to go their separate ways now. So to me, it's one of those two things. Um, but but to go back to you know the the relationship between Mark Murphy and Brian Gutenkunst, I, I think Brian Gutenkunst needs to be a part of it. I think we see nowadays every single head coach that's hired, he's got some familiarity with the general manager. They want to have be on the same page and have the same vision. That's not too much to ask for. I think that's what everyone should uh, strive for because otherwise, I just think it ends up you know being a conflict or a, a finger pointing session once crap hits the fan, right? Because we all know eventually that's going to take place and that's going to happen. So those two need to be able to fight through and persevere together and not be, you know, trying to point fingers at one another. Uh, I've got one other name I'm going to throw at you. I do think if I'm the Packers, I want to think outside the box. I I would love to see a team go after David Shaw at Stanford. Mm. I, I think he's so unique. He's got an NFL background. It dates back to the time with the Baltimore Ravens. He's just... He's different and he'd be perfect for that organization. Um, he's very creative with what he does. When everyone zigs, he zags. That's pretty much what he's done at Stanford. And he, and he basically said like, look, this is what we're going to recruit at Stanford. This is what I'm going to do in order to win. Good linemen, good tight ends, smart quarterbacks. And we're going to try to get maybe the best running back in the country. And we're going to win with smart, sound defense. And and that's what he's done for the most part at Stanford. And, you know, this year was more of a down year and, you know, I, whether or not you want to contrib- or attribute that to anything else doesn't matter. I just think there's going to come a time where David Shaw says, "You know what? Now's the opportunity." I think it'd be hard for him to turn down the Green Bay Packers job. Maybe I'm wrong in making that assu- assumption. Maybe he likes what he's got going on there in Palo Alto. He is one of those college head coaches that I would take a shot at. Forget the Nick Saban, Urban Myers. Um, those guys are, are, you know, older and kind of where they are. You know, maybe Dabo Sweeney. You've heard his name with the uh, Cleveland yeah. Browns. But he doesn't make as much sense to me in that role. To me, David Shaw makes a lot more sense. I think some teams need to start talking with him and interviewing him for some of these jobs
0: yeah that no that's a great call. and I think the Packers had the cachet to pull it off. They have now look, you're moving from Palo Alto to frickin' Green Bay. so you're he's he's mentioned multiple times in multiple interviews Shaw has that his wife like what, what is his his wife and, <laughs> no,
1: hey, no chance to go to the booth from there right
0: Well I mean I mean look I mean if you were like, hey, uh, honey, I, we gotta go to uh Siberia. I got this great job with uh Fox Sports Siberia. Uh, they're gonna pay me uh fifteen million ruples a year. Would you like to go she'd be like, No, we're not leaving Florida. Yeah. You're staying we're, here. We're,
1: I mean, right? Like, we're, we're we're not we're not leaving uh what the Palo Alto, Menlo Park, whatever the heck right, is right there, but there. which by the way, for what you pay there for a shoebox, uh you would have a mansion in Green Bay. Yeah. Like the, the, the housing market prices there. In that area of Northern California are absolutely absurd. The other thing that people don't realize, so there's this new like virtual reality training for quarterbacks, right? And actually, other players are starting to get more involved with it. Um, but there's a there's a company called Striver. Striver was developed at Stanford, hmm. and he was on the ground floor of the whole Striver movement. And a lot of teams are bringing that on. A lot of professional teams do. Dallas Cowboys in particular. Um, but I, I kind of wonder. I, I just wonder if you'd want to leave that too. Like there's it's not just about the coaching, it's kinda of everything else he has access to there at Stanford. And that's another one of the things that he probably wants to kinda of hang around for to kinda of watch this develop, especially if he's got equity in a company that essentially could, you know, end up selling for millions upon millions later on at some point, depending oh. on how applicable this is.
0: So when you say when you say he got on the ground floor, you mean he got on the ground floor financially. Like he's not like
1: uh, you know what. I can't speak to specifics. Sure, I just know that he was involved very early on, and um, they've they've been using it at practices for a long, long time. He's the, with the he's the he's the
0: football coach. He's probably yeah right exactly. Like he's he's heavily involved. look, he's been in Stanford since 7 seven. They're comfortable there. He wins there. You know, on the, on the reg, they're, they're always involved, at least in the discussion for a Pac-12 title game. He's only 46 years old, but I agree with you. I think that the Green Bay Packers job with Aaron Rodgers would be at least, um, enticing for him. And that's a, that's a name that a bad team isn't going to chase David Shaw to the NFL, but a good team with a good spot like the Packers might be able to do it. Um, who should hire Mike McCarthy? Should somebody hire Mike McCarthy?
1: Yeah, Browns. I mean, it's kind of simple to me. I, I think your reservation is, uh, is he an old dog that you can't teach new tricks to? Yeah, You know, is, is the offense that he ran in, in Green Bay going to be stale wherever he goes? And I think that would be my biggest reservation about bringing him in to coach Baker Mayfield because you know him and John Dorsey have a history, right? They, yep. Or at least they, they'll have a similar foundation both coming from Green Bay. Um, and he worked with Aaron Rodgers as a young quarterback in this league. So granted, that was a long time ago he still will have the opportunity to do that with Baker Mayfield. And I think he'd be good for that city, considering where he comes from back in PA, he's a tough, hard-nosed guy. And I think he would fit kind of that mantra or um, the, the from the perspective of what a lot of Cleveland people and fans would want. Um, but again, you know, I don't know that Baker Mayfield is going to excel in a bunch of, you know, isolated routes, him have to make really, really accurate throws all the time in order for, you know his receivers and pass catchers to win. Now, I mean, you look at what Freddie Kitchens has done with his offense as he's taken over as the play caller after Hugh Jackson, and Todd Haley got fired. They're mixing some things up. You see more bunches, you see more condensed formations uh, where the wide receivers aren't split out all the way. They're closer into the tight ends or, or or tackles for that matter. And that helps loosen some things up and it allows you to be a little more creative. So, um, they've they've changed some things up and i think mike mccarthy would have to do the same and and look maybe it would be an opportunity for him to grow and change and 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 you know do some of these things that maybe we didn't see during his time in green bay but that would be the first team that comes to mind that would make a lot of sense
0: yeah i agree with you i think the, the i've been thinking about this more and more today um uh, or more and more on monday today's tuesday but the compare i think there's a really Close comparison to Mike McCarthy and Andy Reid in terms of um, you know go to the new place is sort of an up and coming OC in the same sort of style system uh, become you know win early and often Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl Andy Reid got the one but didn't didn't close it out you know uh, they both actually I was reading Mike Silver Mike Silver's piece on NFL.com uh, about McCarthy. I'd forgotten that Mike McCarthy's brother died shortly after the 2015, uh, NFC championship loss to the Seahawks. And, and so, you know, Andy Reid, of course, had his son die in Philadelphia. So they both had a death in the, death in the family, missed the playoffs. The final two years they were there, so, you know, got run out in, in, you know, in, in fashion, not becoming of the, what, they'd done while they were there. And I wonder if Mike McCarthy can be revived somewhere else the way that Andy Reid was. Cause you saw it, like his first year in Kansas City, he was rejuvenated, man. And he had like, I mean, he wear the, the Hawaiian shirts at the owners' meetings and uh, seemed more laid back and and, and relaxed. And he, you know, he changed a little bit what he did offensively. And so I, th- I think it's there for McCarthy.
1: I think it is as well. Uh, it just depends on, you know, how he wants to go about handling it. And really what offer is there for him. I mean, is that what John Dorsey wants? He, he's going to be, you know, making a decision or at least consulting to some degree with Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam from a position of power. So yeah. uh, I'll be curious to see how that. Um, that goes, you know, we mentioned Josh McDaniels with Green Bay. Josh McDaniels comes from Northern Ohio. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know that he wouldn't be that opposed to, you know, mm. taking on a player like Baker Mayfield and going back to the Browns and going back to his old stopping grounds. So mm. he's another guy that I think is going to interview for that job and maybe, you know, be in consideration for it. Uh, but, you know, the, the Browns are going to cast a wide net because I think there's going to be a lot of reservations about, um, you know, any coach who takes that job what the ownership structure is like, and how much job security you have. I mean, that would be my reservation with that. I think if I was comparing right now the Browns to the Green Bay Packers, given that those vacancies are there, I would be more favorable towards the Packers than I would the Browns, given how Jimmy Haslam has has handled this team in recent years.
0: All right. uh, Another spot where there might be an opening, the Carolina Panthers. This is getting interesting. Jason Lockerford reported on Sunday that David Tepper was at least – Getting a little antsy about what's going on in Carolina. The Panthers have lost four straight games. They have fallen to six and six. They had a humiliating effort against the Buccaneers. Uh, the defense looked bad. Ron Rivera came out and said after the game that he took over play calling in the fourth quarter, uh, if you, you know, if you, it's, it actually turns out that he's been, um, According to Mike Adams via Joe Parson of the, of the Athletic Charlotte or the Athletic Carolinas or whatever it is said, uh, Mike Adams said Ron Rivera has been helping Eric Washington with the defense, defensive play calling all season long. So that's a little weird. Uh, and then of course Brady Hoke fired Jeff, uh, Imara Mura fired Ron Rivera says he's going to call the plays moving forward. Eric Washington will quote oversee the defensive front seven Sam Mills three will quote lead the defensive line and Ron Rivera will quote work with Richard Rogers in the secondary. This Brady to me reeks. Of a guy who knows that he is under a severe amount of pressure and that there might be changes coming if he doesn't make the playoffs, and he is desperate to make the fixes. Do you? Would you? Would you keep Ron Rivera in Charlotte
1: if the Panthers miss the playoffs? I I would, and and for this reason. All right, look look at his track record. In, In his eight years as a head coach, okay, four of which he's gone to the playoffs, had winning records. Uh, or excuse me, gone to the playoffs. There was a year with their 7-8-1, won the division. They went to the um, playoffs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, but they went to the playoffs with a losing record. But right. So, four of his eight years, he's at least gone to the playoffs. One, obviously, won an NFC championship, goes to the Super Bowl in that 15-1 year. Um, the other four losing records, but never worse than six wins, right? Yep. Um, so, it tells you at least that teams still play and they're competitive, and, and I've witnessed that firsthand calling some of their games late in the season. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't from the standpoint of, I think it's a little bit too soon to have a 70, 53 and one record. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think this team has been through uh, some ups and downs. When you look at a injuries, b uh, where their personnel has been on their team and just kind of, you know, drafting more so than anything else, not being the most active player in free agency. Mm. So when you rely on that, I think you've got to be a little more patient when that's your strategy. Um, but are, are there issues? For sure. I mean, look, at, first off, the past four weeks, this four-game skid they're on, three of their games have been on the road. Yep. Now, granted, I, I don't care who, you, who your opponents are. When you play on the road, it's tough to win, regardless if it's the worst team in the NFL or best. So um, I, I don't know that you're walking away from the four-game skid saying, oh, yeah, we expected them to, to have a clean sweep. They should be 4-0. and I think if they were 1-3, and it would be a little more justifiable. If they were 2-2, and you'd probably say they got the better end of this stretch given that they went back-to-back, back, back at home, then back on the road again. Uh, and then the two of their games were, were, like, there was a three-point uh, loss. I'm trying to think who was off the top of my head. Then, obviously, the, the close loss in Detroit deciding to go for the two-point conversion, uh, which really was there. It just wasn't executed by Cam Newton. Well, so, they,
0: they lost to Seattle uh, at home two weeks ago by that's three. That's right, by three. Yeah, the, yeah, the week before the two-point conversion. Yeah, I mean – Yeah, I mean they they knew coming out of their you know, they knew going into Thursday night against Pittsburgh, their six and two, that they had a really tough stretch coming up, you know, four or five games on the road and a home game against the Seattle Seahawks. It wasn't wasn't going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, and look, Cam Newton's turned the football over too much. I think their offensive line's got a little bit exposed as far as the pressure he's getting, especially versus Tampa this week. I mean Tampa you know, Jason Pierre Paul had a good game, but but Tampa hasn't been a good Pass rushing team, and all of a sudden they're getting after Cam Newton. I thought he was impacted in a couple of his throws that ended up in interceptions. Uh, he doesn't look healthy. I don't know that there's a ton of help on the outside around him. I mean, DJ Moore's developing, but uh, he's not necessarily your bona fide number one. Uh, Funches has been banged up in and out. Uh, obviously, Greg Olson's missed some time this year. I mean, Christian McCaffrey has been the one bright, shining star on this team, and defensively, I just I think their secondary is a shell of it what it used to be. The defensive line doesn't get as much pressure. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure what to make of the linebacker play. Typically, it's something that they've been able to lean on, uh, but it's too soft the to coverage on the outside. There's been too many big plays in the secondary of late, and it just it doesn't look like the same defense. So whether or not you chalked up the coaching execution, uh, w- which would more fall on the shoulders of the players, it's probably a combination of both. I just know this much. They've got to start to make a run here as they, they finish the last you know, stretch of the last quarter of their season. That's the bottom line. And they've got to go to Cleveland this week and find a way of getting a win. And then they've got three divisional games to finish, Saints, Falcons, Saints. And that's going to be tough. But that's how their schedule sets up. And if they want a shot at being in the playoffs, they've got to go take care of business.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, they just gotta go beat the Saints twice if they want to get in the playoffs. No big deal. I do, I, mean, I do think, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't be surprised if David Temper made a move, mainly because Ron Rivera is a conservative defensive coach in a league that is trending rapidly where you want to have offensive, aggressive minded coaches and you know you only have maybe Three or four more years, four or five more years of Cam Newton's prime left, like Cam Newton, where Cam Newton can run and be 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 the full blown guy he is. I gotta tell you this: Cam Newton's hurt. I mean, like, he's yeah, he not.
1: Well, when when you get pulled, when you're six foot six, two hundred sixty uh-huh. pounds, and you get pulled for Taylor Henneke to get throw a hail mary, yes, clearly you're hurt. There's got to be something going on with that, right? Not, would you like me to drop
0: some advanced stat knowledge on you? I oh, you.
1: gosh. Yeah. no, 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 these are
0: these, are, these are not, no, no, these are good, these are good advanced stats. So, okay. Okay. so Cam Newton against his Buccaneers, uh, attempted seven passes.
1: Air yards? Is that where we're going? Air yards here?
0: Well, he attempted, he attempted, uh, let's see, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven passes of 15 yards or more down the field. I'm actually looking at the wrong week. No wonder. I, wanted to, I thought that looked a little odd. Uh, okay. it, yeah, so, uh, but anyway, hold on. Let me find, let me find the week 13. I was going to, I had the stats up and I was doing some more deep dives. Here we go. Uh, he attempted. It was, it was actually nine passes of 15 yards or more down the field. He completed two of those and he, and had two of those intercepted, the rest incomplete. That tells me that his deep ball accuracy, um, you know, maybe, maybe a concern, maybe the shoulder issue, even on the touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. You could see it. McCaffrey's wide open on the outside early in the first quarter and Newton, McCaffrey has to use those suction cup hands to grab it because Newton misses him. And I went back and looked this up. Weeks one through nine on balls of 15 yards, air yards or more down the field. Cam Newton, 24-49, Pretty not bad, 45%, that's fine. 527 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Weeks 10 through 13, since he showed up in the injury report, seven of 21, that's terrible. 158 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. I am of the opinion, Brady, that Cam Newton's shoulder is in really bad shape and that Ron Rivera wouldn't talk about it on Monday. I, I'm kind of thinking this might be a – it does Cam, like How many games more does Cam play type of situation?
1: Wow. I mean, that's kind of a statement to say that. I mean, look, I, I saw the stats of like what, the seven picks in the last four games, 12 times sacked yeah. in the last four games. It hasn't looked good. Uh, I think it's more of a product of the offensive line, to be Maybe. quite honest with you. It. In regards to his shoulder, you know, he's he, first off, he's never been the most accurate thrower in general, right? Like this year was one of the first years we've seen him really uh, skyrocket above that 60% with Norv Turner. And that probably has something to do with how many times they've targeted Christian McCaffrey sure. this year, right? Like yeah. he's their leading receiver in regards to reception. No, I mean so, his his
0: his average depth of target, which is another nerd stat, but it makes a lot of sense. Like you know how far down the field you throw it has dropped like yeah. two yards on the season because right. he's he's thrown short to DJ Boy and Christian McCaffrey. I'm just telling you, watching the game against Tampa Bay again this on, on Monday morning, I mean he he wasn't even that he was missing guys. Just the ball placement was just off on almost every throw, and I, I, it, I don't think. I mean, I know that Cam does that sometimes because he overthrows, but it feel it looks like he's torquing with his arm because he knows that he has to try and get Matt more. I, I don't know. He just looks off, man. I'm telling you, I watched I'll a lot of Cam. will put it this movie. way:
1: when you watch him throw, typically he's this big guy who throws effortlessly, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And when I tr- watched him try to throw that Hail Mary that that fell short, and by the way, it would have taken like a seven yard heave. Yeah. Um, it, it looked like the way the ball left his body and his arm, like there just wasn't much on it. Yep, like he almost had a dead arm. You know, like some of you, some of you would experience at the end of camp, maybe where you're throwing a ton, or maybe at this point in the season. Like people don't realize between the hits and the amount of throws, sometimes you know arms just need rest because they don't have as much juice. So maybe that's a product of it too. But either way, you're right. I I, I don't know that he's looked as healthy or has been as. Uh, close to 100% throwing as we've seen in the past.
0: And, and one more stat for you. Since, uh, in weeks one through nine, again, he ran the ball 9.1 times per game. Since, uh, weeks 10 through 13, he's averaging 4.1 yards rushing, rushing attempts per game, which leads me to believe, especially since a lot of these are, you know, uh, manufactured, uh, you know, purposeful r- rushing attempts that the Panthers might be concerned about Cam's health and don't want him to take too many shots to the arm. This is just my theory. I, I yeah, will see. Would you, would you consider shutting him down?
1: Um, if I, for sure, um, if you lose, what, it, lose it, the, the promise, who's making that decision, right? right. Because if, if it's Ron Rivera, you feel like you're still fighting for your job. You can't afford to, Yeah. but if you think your job's safe and you can shut him down to, to maintain his health and make sure he's ready for 2019, then yeah, you do that. The problem is they're not out of the playoff hunt yet. Right. You can't shut him down until you're out of the playoff hunt. So that's, that, that's the issue with their situation right now.
0: Uh, let's talk about some more playoff teams: Steelers or Ravens? Who you got winning that division? Cause the uh... it's
1: tough. I think the Steelers, and and it's not that I don't believe in Lamar Jackson what he's done. I think you know high tides raises all boats, and he's he's been you know pretty solid the way he's run around and made enough plays in the passing game to keep defenses on their heels, keep them honest, and the defense is playing better. You know with him at quarterback, so uh, you could chalk it up to kind of the slate of games that they've had. But bottom line is. Uh, right now they're three and zero with him as a starter, and I think John Harbaugh has to continue to go that direction with them uh, and ride this wave that they're on. All that being said, I just I feel like Pittsburgh's the more talented team all the way around, and and they find more ways to lose games than anyone else I've ever seen as talented as they are. Uh, but I still believe that at the end of the day they'll end up winning the AFC North.
0: Uh, both teams should be favored in two of their remaining games, but and two of them uh, dogs. The one of the ones that Pittsburgh will be a dog in though is at home against New England, and so that's a little bit better of a chance uh, to potentially win that. Pittsburgh just can't just don't go lose in Oakland. Don't lose in Oakland. Don't lose in in week uh, seventeen to Cincinnati, and you should be fine. Would you rather? Who do you think wins the uh, AFC West? The Kansas City Chiefs at ten and two, or the streaking Los Angeles Chargers and Philip Rivers with that fantastic haircut at nine and three?
1: That's a great haircut. He it's looks phenomenal. I have his ninth kid. Kudos to him. Maybe it's the haircut. I don't know. Either way, uh, he needs to put his bolo tie back on. Uh, I you know, I would be more in favor of the Chargers because I do think they're playing uh, the most complete football of anyone in the AFC West. The problem is their field goal kicking and special teams that a punt blocked. Missed, Badgley missed, missed a field goal this past week. That's plagued them earlier this year and it's plagued them really in the past. So It is concerning, especially in tight games as you get down the stretch if you've got a team that can't take care of that phase. But Their offense has been able to sling the football around. Phillip Rivers has been incredible this year. Uh, They will get Melvin Gordon back before the end of the season. And Justin Jackson, their seventh-round pick on Northwestern, he looked pretty good this year, or excuse me, this this past week. So uh, I give them a shot. The problem is they don't have the easiest schedules on the stretch, neither does Kansas City. But Kansas City, I'm I'm most curious to see how they're going to handle the loss of of Kareem Hunt Mm. and how they handle not – You know, having a guy like that that is as dynamic as he is. Like Spencer Ware is very capable of doing all the things that Kareem Hunt did. He's just not as fast. He's probably not as explosive and all of that. But he's a good athlete, you know, played baseball um, all growing up. Very, very good athlete. Good hand eye coordination. I played with him for a year, so he can do it all. It's just he's not as quite dynamic as Hunt is. And I don't think defenses are going to treat him the same. So because of that, I think defenses are going to look at more of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. How do we stop them, even though the Travis Kelce one offers the Raiders this week? Uh, that, that release also happened on Friday. So it's not like the Raiders could drastically change their game plan. I think moving forward, it'll change a little bit as far as what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are seeing from opponents and how they're trying to stop this offense. Uh, but, look, short week in a couple weeks, uh, getting the Chargers coming to their place, you give them the benefit of the doubt. So even as bad as their defense has been this year, giving up big plays – You know, with with, and they've got a tough schedule, but both teams have tough schedules. If you're going to give an edge, I'd give it to the Chiefs. They've got them at home on a short week, and that's enough for me to think that it's going to be tough for the Chargers to overcome that.
0: Uh, I've got a theory for you. The Chiefs are going to lose to the Ravens this week. The Chargers, the Chargers, are going to smash the Bengals. Then okay. everyone is going to pick the Chargers. Finally, their time. They're going to go into Kansas City. They're going to fight. You know, the, the, the little the little David's going to go there and take down Goliath. They're going to overturn the division and take what's rightfully theirs. And then they're going to pee down their legs and lose that game on Thursday night in Kansas City. Um, after taking a lead, like in the third quarter, or something like that, there will be some kind of meltdown, and the Chiefs will win the game, and and the Chargers will get the fifth seed, win a wild card game, but then lose in the playoffs. It, it, it's gonna ha- it happens every year. I'm not. Falling for it, Brady. I'm not getting tricked, but they're going to be they'll be close. Didn't you
1: pick them to win the Super Bowl last year?
0: Uh, I always pick the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. Yes. Oh, so this year you picked them again too? This year I didn't. This year I I I, I've, I fell on the sword and said I'm not going to be the guy who drags the Chargers down. I won't do it. I'm stepping away from my pick. I announced it on Twitter. I was stepping okay. away from my Chargers pick, but I, I still you accused
1: yourself. I accused myself. The okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, I picked the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl. I still like the Chargers a lot. Um. I, We'll see. I don't know. The, 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 until they until they don't do it, I'm going to have questions about whether they will do it or <laughs> not. Okay, I mean, that's just that's all I'm going to say. Um, okay. Can the Eagles make a run in the NFC East?
1: Yes. Look, their their win tonight on Monday Night Football was huge. Uh, regardless of who is at quarterback and who is recovering fumbles with their butt, it doesn't matter. Uh, they got a win. They've got an opportunity next week to kind of help even up the score and. Uh, I think they can go on a run. I think if they can get their stuff together the last quarter of the season, they can potentially get on a run. So I'm not counting out the Philadelphia Eagles yet. They haven't played their best football. I've said this for four teams earlier this year, um, sometimes that can scare you away from wanting to pick them. It doesn't with me and my, you know, for me at least, only because, you know, look, this team has the pieces. I think they've got a good quarterback, even though, uh, really the biggest difference for Carson Wentz this year, and I'm not sure if you've seen this, like last year he was the number one quarterback on, on third down. Yeah. This year he's like bottom half. He might be like bottom third of the league with the way he's played on third down. Um, so he, he's got to clean up his situational play better. But, you know, next week going to Dallas, that's a huge game. And as in regards to the division, uh, trying to figure out whether or not they can win it, that's going to be extremely meaningful. And then ultimately at the end of the season they got to go to Washington to play the Redskins, which could be, again, led by Mark Sanchez. Uh, so, well, you know, I shouldn't say could be, it will be unless he gets hurt. Um, but th- that's, that's another divisional game that could largely decide their fate. But I think the toughest thing is, I mean, l- look at the teams they have to play. Cowboys in Dallas, mm-hmm. Rams in LA, Texans at home. And then they've got Redskins in their house, three of the four on the road and three of those four teams all with winning records. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy considering what, what they've got in front of them. So there's no doubt they can. Do I think they will?
0: No, probably not. Uh, but they could look this this little wild card stuff with the in the, um, in the in the in the in the NFC is crazy too because the Vikings are in right now at six five and one, which means the the Eagles and Panthers uh, are just like a half game out. The Buccaneers are secretly not dead yet, and, and so are the Redskins. Uh it, It's it's wild stuff. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Are the Texans a legitimate Super Bowl contender?
1: Yes, because I think their style of play is different than everyone else's. Mm. Um, one, Lamar Miller Lamar Miller has provided some stability now running the football. But that team, or maybe I should just say Deshaun Watson, like there's no other quarterback I have greater faith in converting on a third and 15 than Deshaun Watson. I don't, I don't know why. Mm. It's just I feel like it happens every single game every week. Like they'll get in a third and 15 and he just kind of drops back and maybe he throws in rhythm or maybe he buys time and finds someone downfield. Or maybe he takes off and scammers for a first down, but it, like it literally happens every week. It happened this past week against the Browns, and I just I sit back and go, this was the difference between this team now and what they were in the first three weeks. In the first three weeks, he was getting beat around left and right. The difference was, you know, he didn't adjust to the different pressures. Uh, you know, guys being turned loose on him, guys didn't make plays, and then all of a sudden they like basically looked around They're like wait we're really good like last year <laughs> we, we we had the same issue and we just like overcame it let's just figure this out their defense has played better obviously they're rushing the passer better um they're and they're generating turnovers their offense has been able to make big plays even though if they don't have success on first and second down they are in third and long they just they figure out a ways of, of t- you know getting chunks moving the sticks putting points on the board I think they're a funky style and team to play. And I would venture to say, I don't know how many teams would want to play them. Like if your two biggest concerns are having to deal with a pass rush, which they very well have, and then having to deal with a quarterback who's mobile, but it can also hurt you with his arm. Like they've got both of them. Like those are things that you ultimately can't prepare for uh, because you just don't have guys that can mimic JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney and probably Whitney Merciless. and you don't have anyone in practice who's going to mimic Deshaun Watson, and who's going to be as good as Demarius Thomas or, or DeAndre Hopkins. So, I, I think they're a tough out, and and really the only way that they are going to be able to stop themselves or hurt themselves is if they stop themselves, and if they if they just had a bad performance, bad game, or a bunch of guys start getting hurt here in the next four weeks.
0: Uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know how much you think about this, but. Deshaun Watson on those big stages. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he had maybe one bad game against Oklahoma in the semifinal in his in his uh, I guess in his his junior year. Um, but you know, he went what five and five and one in uh, in, in in the championship games and then the, yeah. the playoff games. I think it's I think it's I looked it up really quickly. It's like seventeen and seven touchdowns to interceptions in those games: North Carolina, Oklahoma, Bama, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, Bama. I, I mean, we haven't ever seen him get in the playoffs. I feel like the Sean Watson in the playoffs is somebody you would want to bet on.
1: Yes. I, you'd want to bet on. You'd probably sit there and say like, you're, you're not betting against them. Maybe on right, the spread right. with the money line. Or, I, he, just, I just
0: mean that like, like he's going to show up on a big stage. He just always has. And there's just something about him, even when he wasn't making the best throws against like Alabama, like he was still would just show up and make plays.
1: Yeah, he just he figures out a way of making things happen. I mean, he's 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 a winner. I mean, that's what Dave, Dabo Dabo Sweeney said about him when he was coming out. Right, you're you're passing up on Michael Jordan if you pass up on this guy. Yeah. I think he truly believes it because he witnessed it in college. And, and at that level, he probably in his heart feels like this guy could go on any team in America, make them better, and potentially win a national championship, or at least have a chance of winning their conference. Right, like I do believe Dabo Sweeney believes that and i believe that when he said that he was saying i think he can this can translate to the nfl and right now we're seeing it we saw last year for a short span before the injury and now we're seeing it this year uh with their nine game winning streak that they're on by the way kansas city and new england i mean new england's you know bye is probably safe their division's so bad uh, even though they have struggled versus the Miami Dolphins in South Florida, I think mm-hmm. Brady's like seven and nine in his career can, down there. I mean,
0: they could go two and two to close out at Miami, right. at Pittsburgh, Buffalo, New York at home.
1: Right. So maybe Houston could slide in only because their schedule is so easy down the stretch. Right. Um, but you know, the other team is Kansas City. Depending on how they handle everything with the lack of Kareem Hunt and you know how that hits their psyche and everything, moving the last quarter of the season. Like I, I don't know. I, I think the Houston Texans could have a decent chance of sneaking into that, those you know one or two spots that gets that by.
0: No, you're right because they get Indy at home uh, this coming week at the Jets at Philly and then Jacksonville at home. If they go four and zero, I
1: think... none of those teams have winning records besides Philly, right? Right Philly now,
0: Houston is gonna like win thirteen straight games without playing anybody with a with a winning record. No, none of them do because Philly's six and six.
1: Yeah, Philly's five hundred now. That's right. I mean, they
0: don't. They don't. I think if you look at it, they've only played one team that has a winning red. I mean, that's the only red flag with Houston, but look, if they win out and they get to, to, uh, 13 and three, there's a pretty good chance they will jump the Patriots and that they need to be one game ahead of the Patriots because New England, uh, gave them their, uh, no, no, their next to last loss, right? In, uh, in back in way back in week two in September. Hard to believe it's been that long. Hard to believe the season is actually coming to a close. Um, do we, we will podcast again before, the 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 playoffs start right the the college football. of course okay yeah, we, had a, we
1: had a few few podcasts I
0: don't want to yeah yeah I just okay I was just making sure I was getting I wanted to get your
1: ball oh, yeah look I mean they they got the four teams right I, I think at the end of the day um you know you're looking at Alabama Clemson Notre Dame all three very deserving all three no surprise to be in the playoff it just came down to Oklahoma Ohio State and and Georgia and even though watching Georgia play Alabama. I would probably admit that they are one of the top four best teams. I don't think you can put them in having two losses. And if you're going to start evaluating losses and you look at how bad they lost to LSU, I'm I'm just not sure that you can then throw them into the conversation. If you're going to then knock Ohio state for their loss to Purdue by 29 points on the road. uh, And and Oklahoma has the best loss, even though I, I hate that argument of talking about like, we're starting to measure teams and their ability based on losses. Like I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, because you know, like Oklahoma's a high powered offensive team, they can't stop anything. I mean, they can't stop a cold. So, you know, that's my concern with them is like, yeah, they can maybe put some points up on Alabama, but can they stop Alabama from hanging 50? No, absolutely. Probably not. not. And even though Ohio state, you'd have the same reservations or questions or you might be thinking, Oh gosh, are they going to get beat by 29? Like Purdue beat them. Uh, I don't know. You could see the Ohio State team that showed up versus Michigan that could drop 40 or 50 on Alabama because they're so darn talented on the outside, and Haskins could sling it. Um, And maybe their defense steps up in that moment. The problem is they've been so inconsistent this year that it would be hard to think that they're going to do that. So, you know, that kind of takes you back to square one of, you know, what what makes the most sense? Well, probably Oklahoma, all things considered.
0: Um, Oh, yeah, last thing on Oklahoma. Kyler Murray on Monday became the favorite in Vegas yeah. to win the Heisman.
1: You know, I got ridiculed because at one point in this college football season, uh, I basically said that you can make a better case for Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins that they should right now be the runner for the Heisman because of their stats. And actually at that point, Tom, I think I said, look at Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. Look at the numbers that he's, that he's put up in particular in the clutch moments in the fourth quarter. He had a comeback win versus TCU, a comeback win versus Penn State. And I said, Tua Tonga-Vailoa hasn't even had a pass attempt the fourth quarter. And it was a reservation that I had then. And since seeing him play the past couple weeks now, yes, they were tied 10-10 to Citadel. And, look, he hasn't maybe been healthy, but that's part of it too. You know, all these guys are playing banged up right now. So um, I, I think when you're talking about Kyler Murray, he's been the best player in college football this year from wire to wire he's carried that team one of which that is not good defensively so they had to win a shootout every week i think he's more dynamic running the football he's got better stats or as good of stats as baker did last year and he'd be he'd be very deserving of, of winning the heisman trophy i think Valo is a great player but i also think he's on a great team and i think the guy who's gonna get lost in the shuffle who you know, you could make probably as good of a case for as Dwayne Haskins setting a Big Ten single season record, leading all those guys in touchdown passes. Uh, he's been remarkable, and uh, I, I, here's the crazy thing, Will. And dare I dare I ask this question? Hmm. Is there a chance that like Kyler Murray's actually a better college football quarterback than Baker Mayfield was.
0: How Dare you ask? I don't know. I mean, Baker
1: was maybe. I mean, if you. Go, I mean, statistically thinking, like they're about the same, but Kyler's a way better runner, yeah, and that that yeah. definitely translates better to the college level. Even though Baker's skill set and games is probably better for the NFL level.
0: I gotta tell you too. If there's, if there's ever been something that's given Nick uh, Nick Saban
1: fits, it's running quarterbacks. Seriously. Exactly. But but but, but back to that question, like. In my mind, like it's not that far-fetched to say, all right, maybe Caller Murray would have been the, the the better option for Oklahoma because of that dual threat ability, that true dual threat ability. Like, don't get me wrong, Baker was phenomenal, right? Mm. Um, but but so is like Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. And I think if you were pitching picking between Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield right now, you'd probably pick Patrick Mahomes, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: you would take the- um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so anyway, my, my point is this is like maybe, you know, Baker had the first mover advantage, so he was there, but Kyler Murray was way in the wings, and maybe who knows what he would have been had he been the starting quarterback. Just just throwing that out there, food for thought. I like it. Food for thought about college
0: football late on a Monday night on your wife's birthday. Brady Quinn never disappoints. Thanks for uh, thanks for popping on. We'll uh, we'll do it next week. Follow up. Did, did you get any donations? Did the listeners donate to the foundation?
1: Uh, yeah, at some point I I have to go back and look. I've yeah, been a little bit inundated with other things, Well I'll have to uh, go back talk to our CFO and see.
0: Oh yeah, I guess I guess you're not like che- like you're not getting like an alert every time something comes in.
1: Huh? Well, I mean, there's got to be separation from from me and my wife and everyone else who who runs the foundation. So we've got a, a volunteer that's a CFO, and oh. I, I I tend to you know talk with him once a week, a couple times a month uh, to check on okay. things. Sure
0: I don't things. I don't have a foundation, so I don't know like I don't you know like like, I mean,
1: like you know. 501c3s are heavily regulated and they're they're you know, uh, you everyone's need- keep it on. so you got to be very very clean and very um, you know proper with the way you go about handling your transactions see <laughs> so if you
0: can stop talking about it on this stupid podcast it'd be great uh,
1: <laughs> All right we'll talk to you next week man sounds good.